It's time for Security Now. Steve is back. Our first show of the new year. What are we talking about? The NSA and the ant protocols. Uh, lots of security news. We'll catch up uh, next on Security Now. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 437, recorded January 7th, 2014. New Year's News Catch-Up. Security Now is brought to you by ProXPN. ProXPN is a virtual private network that allows you to use the Internet the way it should be, anonymously and without oversight. For 20% off your new account, go to ProXPN.com slash twit and use the code SN20. It's time for Security Now, the show that covers your security and privacy online, your safety online with the guy in charge, the explainer-in-chief we call him, Steve Gibson. Oh, my goodness. Happy New Year, Steve. Yes, indeed. And I was wearing my explainer-in-chief T-shirt uh, for the day on uh, up there with you. For I love uh, I didn't that. make it. I didn't make it 24 hours. Actually, I had a lot of people asking me, where did you get that TNO T-shirt? And it was from one of our listeners. I'm so sorry that I, like, it was so long ago. It was a couple of years ago. And I've just kept the T-shirt for the right occasion. I thought this was the right occasion. It was the right I, occasion. It was someone who prints T-shirts professionally. And he just sort of sent me that as a gift to thank me for, you know, the podcast. And many people were saying, oh, where'd you get that? I like as if maybe they they want one. So uh, if, if you're still listening to us, Mr. T-shirt maker, uh, you know, tweet me or drop me a note or something. Um, we should and make them. Certainly... Yeah, but it was, it's it was a, very it's a nice. T N O in big letters, big letters, and then I, down along the bottom, except the explainer in chief. So Steve, okay. uh, uh, so boy, we got a lot of. It's been like two, it's only been two weeks, but it feels like a year. <laughs> it does. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, but first, let's say Steve, thank you for coming up to our New Year's party. Uh, we did twenty. We it was going to be twenty four hours of twenty fourteen. It was like twenty three hours and forty eight minutes of twenty fourteen. Uh, okay. Yeah, we, I bailed at about one thirty a.m. Well, because it was beginning to feel like it was petering out, and I thought, okay, no, well, it, it was a perfect time to leave. But more uh, that was happen. that. What was going on there? I think it was me, Brian Brushwood, Justin Robert Young, and uh, still like uh, time. Will, basically, Will Harris. No, it was like standing around at the bar. It was great. Oh, okay. Uh, but we, if you think of it as filling time, then that's well, fine. Well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. You know what we so. did see? And I have footage. I don't know if I... I don't know. I don't want to embarrass you or anything. <laughs> Me with uh, Chad's hair at navigating. That was oh, fun. Oh, my goodness. And then, of course, at midnight... <laughs> at midnight, uh, we, uh, we, we played in the new year. And Steve uh, apparently danced with Captain Kirk. Well, yeah. I and, you're, and you're quite the dancer. Kirk was not very responsive. No, no. But you, talking. you know how to dance. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sober, believe it or not. That was, actually, I couldn't have d done all of that jumping around. You were fired on coffee. If you didn't, now we're taking a lot of that uh, New Year's Eve broadcast. There was so much. I was, I went to bed that night. And you know how sometimes you kind of go over the day's events and think about them. I couldn't. It was so much stuff from that 24 hours. We did so many things. including. Well, in fact, we, toward the end, we were talking about things that had happened that 
morning as if they were yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it felt yeah. it felt like, well, it, it, was. like it was a long time ago <laughs> that that happened. And it was four hours or, you know, or 12 hours. So, yeah. but Steve, thank you for coming. You showed up almost at the very beginning. Uh, we made coffee. and we're So what I was about to say is there were so many things. We didn't want to just put out a 24-hour video. So we, yeah. uh, our editors, once they recover, uh, are working on chopping into bits. And one of the bits will be Steve making coffee. Yep, we did that, as I had promised our listeners a long time ago. Awesome. When I came. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes, you did like it. And, uh, and then you were very good as the navigation officer aboard the Starship Artemis. Yes, twice. I got the hang of it the first time, and then, or yeah, by the end of the first time, and then we were much better navigating second time. First so time I it. was the captain, and I wasn't so good. Then we let Justin Robert Young and Brian Brushwood captain the Starship. They were... Different. <laughs> yeah. That was, you know, a lot of shouting toward, toward the end of the night, and uh, yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> anyway, we 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 decided that the event was so much fun that we're going to do it again. In fact, I think we'll be well, doing it every new year. And and the beer tasting that you and I did, I think, was another Wasn't that one fun? of the the highlights that yeah. was sort of unexpected. Yeah, with Mary Jo Foley. Yep, and a number of people, that very first beer, I've seen tweets thanking us for introducing them to that sweet pink one. The Creek, the creek <laughs> Lembic, yeah, Lembic. Uh, it was a cherry-flavored uh, uh, Lambic beer that, uh, you're right, uh, you loved. Well, it was the first one, and I agree, after we went into the tar beers, um, then... <laughs> you're go- not a beer drinker. Going back to the cherry was like, oh, okay, well, yeah. wait a minute, that's yeah. a little fruity. Uh, oh. It's from a Belgian uh, brewer. Um, it's uh, Lindemann's Creek, and it had uh, cherries in it. It was it was almost like a fruit punch. So, um, yeah, that was that will be another segment we'll chop up. We just so I mean, where will people where will our listeners find these pieces of history which will be preserved for all time? Or that, will will you guys be hosting them? Will will they be on twit.tv? Because um, Simon Zarafa. Our friend of the show commented that he was seeing them appearing on the Inside Twit YouTube account. That's where they'll, they'll that's where they'll be appearing. Oh, so if you go okay. to youtubecom slash twit, um, so far we've got three segments up. I I want to I don't you know I am not fully in control of this. Uh, I would what I would like eventually is to have this chopped up even more. But we do have. Um, from the very beginning, the first game of geeks. Yeah, we have. The, but I mean, we have. This is an hour from the. Uh, f- there's three segments. Okay, so three chopped up segments. Anyway, YouTube.com/slash/insidetwit. Um, I, you know, I can't make the editors work too hard. So, <laughs> I think, uh, I think what they're doing it looks like is an hour at a time. Well, and I would. I have to tip my hat. To your whole crew. I mean, you were standing oh, no there ask, asking them, okay, now where should I stand? Uh, now what's next? I mean, because this whole day was mapped out and planned and designed by them, and it was just fabulous. It I, was an absolute success. I think if nothing else, we, we've we demonstrated that um, the studio is an amazing place that uh, with our very, very talented and motivated staff, we can do amazing things. And um, I just look forward to doing this every year. And fact, none of the champagne corks broke anything. I was amazed. <laughs> I mean, I kept waiting. I mean, they were violent and, and you know, there were 24 of them because we kept blowing champagne every hour <laughs> and nothing broke. I think you're in hour uh, three. 
Yeah, here's the coffee making. So, uh, hour three stream. Um, One alien is, no, is, no, no, no. Uh, Because when I was uh, when I was at wine tasting, <laughs> here we are, Steve and I making coffee, wearing his TNO shirt. So that's in uh, the hour three of twenty four. Just went up on inside. Uh, and you Twitter. can you can see there that I had my six shot venti. Uh, latte in front of me. Oh, which yeah. was, but, you know That got me going in order to get there. Lesson number one, never try to make coffee without being caffeinated, apparently. Heavily caffeinated. Steve's- That's called booting. <laughs> booting your coffee <laughs> this is So what you're saying is this is your firmware. And- <laughs> That's my BIOS. That's my BIOS, baby. The other thing I wanted to mention is last week's episode, which if you didn't see, do go see. It's a video oh. episode. So you're talking about our, our the hol- the holiday episode. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Again, fabulous feedback. Every I'd never I heard nothing negative. People, everyone who did say something, absolutely bl- loved our blast from the past, the so-called time capsule episode. It was for you and me meeting the first time in the flesh 15 years ago. And, you know, and the shows from ZDTV, you know, the commercials, a lot of them I left in just to sort of set the That's the kind of fun, of, isn't it? Of the wow. time. Yeah. And, wow. you know, and talking about backing up hard drives to VHS tapes. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was a good idea then. Yeah. I don't know so, if you had those VHS tapes today. I don't think they'd be worth anything. But <laughs> I do have the one. I used to drive your production crew um, in, in those days. Crazy. I would, you know, I'd fly up on my own dime and and be there and and do the shows with you. All I asked for in return was the video. Fair I didn't know why, but that's what I asked for. Even when, you know, years later we were doing it in Toronto and then in Vancouver, I just said, I, you know, and I sort of just politely remind them with email, uh, can you send those tapes? And I, you know, I get four a month. And so I've got all of them. So uh, That's awesome. we'll have plenty of time capsule episodes in the future. That's great. But we uh, do have some catching up to do. Because, oh, uh, my Lord. Yes. Um, what's so- surprising is normally in tech news, nothing happens during the holiday break. <laughs> but 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 uh, bad guys never rest. Uh, well, and it's funny, too, because, OK, so as I have been doing today on Security Now, uh, New Year's Eve at the Brick House, which we already covered, um, 2013 was certainly not the end of annoying NSA news, not by a long shot. In fact, we have truly unsettling NSA news. Oh, boy. It turns out that routers, many routers, are quietly listening on port 32764. We'll discuss that. Uh, we've got a, a note about Mozilla's screaming native code operation progress. Snapchat's massive $4.6 million username and phone number disclosure, <laughs> involuntary disclosure. Uh, and even my long-awaited sci-fi reading guide uh, and much more. So a ton of fun stuff to talk about. We will uh, begin uh, the new year, Security Now, our 437th episode in uh, just a moment uh, by the way our new time too so if you tuned in uh wednesday to watch and we weren't there that's because we're on tuesdays now uh, and not at 11 a.m anymore but 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern time 2100 utc uh we do love you to watch live uh that's my preferred thing because you can interact i can watch the chat room and so forth but if you cannot Fear not, because, of course, on demand is always available after the fact. And, and you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned the chat room, because 
they were so neat during the New Year's Eve event. And I wanted to make sure that that people who are in the chat room understand the degree to which everybody oh, yeah. there is dependent oh, on yeah. oh, the chat room. Yeah. And and you know that because as as I was someone standing in the basically anywhere you are in the Twit Brick House, there is a a screen monitoring real time chat somewhere. Oh, yeah. All you have to do, you just you can just look any anywhere you are, and there is a scroll happening with what people are saying. I mean, it, so it really does like connect us in and and make it in an interactive process. Yeah, I you know you, you probably don't realize that if you're not in the studio. Exactly, uh, and I, I know that's that why I want to make it really really clear to people. You don't watch the chat room while you're doing your show because you're focused on what you're talking about. Oh, I, would, um, I couldn't get it done. It would distract. Well, me crazy. And it's a skill I've <laughs> learned. In fact, so much so that I can't do it without the chat room. We got. D, I don't know if people know this. We don't usually talk about when we're DDoS, but we did get DDoS during the show. Um, during, um, uh, I can't remember what it was, but uh, uh, one during one of the shows, maybe it was TNT, um, and. Sarah Lane and I both who live on the chat room uh, all the time, the chat room was down and we were both thrown. And Sarah said, where's the chat room? I said, it's down, just ignore it. And it's funny. It's like doing, it's like uh, if you've been doing a, a Broadway show in front of a sold out crowd for years and then suddenly there's no one in the theater, it's weird. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. why the chat room kept dropping connections. We have, uh, we occasionally this does happen. We get DDoSed, but we have a DDoS protection. We flipped the switch, and it was fine. Um, I'm not sure what was going on, but uh, so I just wanted everyone to know that. I mean, it is a it's a crucial part of of the operation. There, absolutely, we adore it. We adore it. Uh, let's get to the uh, security news. There's quite a bit of it, but uh, first, a word from our sponsor, Pro XPN. And I want to thank them because they sponsored our New Year's Eve celebration as well. We, I think we spent $15,000 doing the New Year's Eve thing. It was relatively inexpensive for a 24-hour broadcast, but it wasn't cheap. Uh, and I thank ProXPN for making that possible. Pro and XP- and no, one, no, no one watching the New Year's Eve coverage could possibly miss the fact that ProXPN <laughs> we, we marched was in a banner. <laughs> many times and the banner went marching by. Brian Brushwood yes. tattooed the word ProXPN on his chest. Uh-huh. That was quite a remarkable <laughs> feat. Uh, ProXPN, we love them. They are an open VPN uh, solution, hosted solution that lets you use the internet the way it really wants to be used anonymously, without oversight, like you want it. Uh, boy, we know now governments, internet service providers, they're always looking at what you're doing. If your internet service provider does the six strikes thing, you could be getting, you know, messages from your ISP that have nothing to do with anything you're doing, saying, what are you doing? You know, you, it, they're looking at what you're doing. With ProXPN, you have complete online privacy, a 512-bit encrypted tunnel, 2048-bit encryption key. It does work with uh, OpenVPN or PPTP. You get to choose. And on some mobile platforms, that's your only choice. Although I love it. ProXPN has mobile apps now that makes it possible to do OpenVPN on both iPhone and uh, Android, which is really great. If you visit ProXPN.com slash twit, you can find out more. Get those Android apps, get the iOS app, and you're really uh, protected, um, on even on mobile. And, you know, mobile, you need it because that's where you're using open Wi-Fi access spots. You don't know who's watching. Uh, the software for Windows and Mac offers advanced controls, allowing you to select the programs and ports you want to use. 
Um, it eliminates geographic restrictions because ProXPN has servers all over the world in Dallas, Los Angeles, Seattle, New York, but also London, Amsterdam, and Singapore. Um, world-class customer support, too. Look, they've got a free trial. You can absolutely uh, use it. Not even a trial. They have a free version. You might want to use a premium, though, for the additional features, including, by the way, the ability to pay for ProXPN with Bitcoin, which means you're completely anonymous in your usage. Couldn't be easier to set up and use. You get the apps. And I have a special deal for you. All right. Normally, it's $6.25 a month when you bill it annually. That's $9.95 a month, month to month, $75 for an entire year. We have a special offer, 20% off if you use the offer code SN20. And that's not just for the first month or year, but for the life of your account. You can cancel with a paid account anytime in the first seven days and pay nothing. We're talking about getting it down to less than 5 bucks a month on the yearly plan forever. Pay through Visa, PayPal, and Bitcoin. I love it. Use the offer code SN20 or just visit proxpn.com slash twit to learn more. We love you, ProXPN. Thank you so much for your support of our New Year's Eve programming. Leo Laporte, Steve Gibson, Security Now on the air. Let's catch up. What did we miss <laughs> last week? Okay, so many of our listeners were concerned when... I said at the end of 2013 that we would, you know, not make turn. We would not turn this into the NSA now podcast, and 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 so I've and and a lot. Of, I got a lot of this through Twitter, and so I was tweeting back. No, don't worry. If you know stuff continues to happen, we'll absolutely cover it. Well, <laughs> boy. Um, so, so first of all, don't anyone worry. In fact, next week is just going to be a deep dive into one of the stories I'm going to discuss this week, but kind of cover the surface of it because there is so much there. I just haven't had time to, I haven't set aside the amount of time I'm going to need to give it the kind of coverage I want. But first, to, what is, what has to be, the most disturbing news of both the old and the new year was something that came to light through a, a Reuters story and surprised everyone um, that the that RSA, the the you know the famous cryptographic research and cryptography co commercializing company, um, founded by you know, serious academic cryptographers who developed a lot of these technologies accepted $10 million from the NSA in order to set that weak pseudo-random number generator as the default. We believe that's what this Reuters story alleges, um, which is to say now, OK, to, re to remind people a little bit, there, there, there was a set of four pseudo random number generators that um, that National Institutes of Standards and Technology, NIST, NIST, 
was establishing as standards for people could use them and they were saying they generated really good random numbers. So when we've covered this as we did in 2013, and in fact, even before that, when, when the first concerns about this so-called dual elliptic curve, deterministic random bit generator came out, I was the one who said, nobody, you know, it's like, don't worry about this. Nobody in their right mind would use this one. There were four, and this was the weirdest and slowest of them. Even if we didn't know that it had been potentially and apparently compromised by the NSA, you know, you don't want a slow random number generator that's no, that's no better than the faster ones. And so I was thinking... No one would use it. Why, why, you know, so it's like, okay, so it's there and maybe it's been corrupted by, by you know, dark, dark, dark forces. But who cares? Well, turns out we then learned it was the default, which like, okay, that's, you know, and then on the podcast before last year, I was saying, well, these are smart crypto, cryptographers. Why is it the default? How, how do you explain that that's the default. And then the other shoe dropped. And while $10 million may not seem like a lot of money, the year that it was paid, that was one third of RSA's annual revenue. And, you know, there's a lot of expenses that goes against revenue. This was expense free. They had to set a bit somewhere in order to to have that be the default random number generator that you get when you use their be safe library and i haven't mentioned this or shown this before leo but but i own the be safe library oh. i mean this oh. is it you know the, 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 i mean this was this was the standard of cryptography at the time i purchased it years ago and in fact the copyright on this copy is 1992. I looked this morning. Yep, copyright 1992. So that's predates and, this arrangement. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And here on the page of random number generators, they only have two. And they are hash-based pseudo-random number generators. So that's before all of this happened, and it was pure then. Subsequently, here is a here is a, a page from release notes of uh, RSA B-Safe. This particular version of B-Safe is called Share for C and C++ 1.1. And in the release notes, the very first item under content says new features. And the second item is changes. And on page two, which is where we get changes and new features, the very first item under changes says um, it says the changes in this release of share for C include the first one all random numbers generated for use in share for C are generated by <laughs> the dual elliptic curve parens EC deterministic random bit generator DRBG using the P256 prime curve. 
and it says parens 128-bit security strength by default. So, you know, that, that is exactly, I mean, this is, and this is dated 15th of September 2009. Oh, man. So that's, I mean, th- this is, that, that was the page from the release notes showing the change when this happened about five years ago. So the, the wording of this in the article, I thought, was, was really perfect. Um, so I'm just going to share this. This is exactly as Reuters wrote it. They said, an algorithm called dual elliptic curve developed inside the NSA was on the road to approval by the National Institutes of Standards and Technology, NIST, as one of four acceptable methods for generating random numbers. NIST's blessing is required for many products sold to the government and often sets a broader de facto standard, meaning within the entire computer industry, which certainly is the case. RSA adopted the dual EC DRBG algorithm even before NIST approved it. According to an official familiar with the proceedings, the NSA then cited the early use of dual elliptic curve, PRNG, inside the government to argue successfully for NIST approval. RSA's contract that is this one for which they received $10 million, made dual elliptic curve the default option for producing random numbers in the RSA toolkit. No alarms were raised, former employees said, because the deal was handled by business leaders rather than the technologists. Quote, the labs group had played a very intricate role at BeSafe, and they were basically gone, said Labs veteran Michael Winokur, who left in 1999. Within a year, major questions were raised about dual elliptic curve. Cryptography authority Bruce Schneier wrote that the weaknesses in the formula, quote, can only be described as a backdoor. So, what we have is a sort of a classic bureaucratic, you know, bureaucracy management where the technologists weren't involved, where, whereby paying RSA to make it the default in their package after BeSafe was then in use and it wasn't yet approved, the NSA got it approved, got the NIST to approve it because it was in use. And it was in use only because RSA had been paid $10 million to put it in use. So, I mean, wow. it, it's stomach-turning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I want to draw some contrast here because we're going to be talking about um, – the Der Spiegel article here in a minute, and this the amazing revelations there. Um, th- this is of concern because what we believe is that is that 
this then widely used package became the core random number generator like throughout the industry and that the NSA had unique knowledge. RSA's documentation, and they believed, I'm sure, that it gave 128 bits of strength. It is probably not 128 bits strong if you know the way in which it's biased. And it's probably been biased deliberately. I mean, there was really no evidence even as suspicious as we were of it. There was no concrete evidence. But the fact that it's the slower of the four and the other three are based on sound technology. They're based on hashing or they're based on a good cipher. You know, running a cipher, you know, using a cipher with a a, a key to generate pseudorandom data is is absolutely a, a an acceptable bulletproof way of generating that data. If the cipher is good, the pseudorandom data will be good too. Similarly, running a hash in, in a cycle where the output goes back into the input, if the hash is a good hash, you're going to get out really good pseudorandom numbers. Um, or, or if you want to key it, you use a, a, an HMAC, which is basically a, a, a means of mixing a key in with the hash. And again, putting in um, data that will come out pseudorandomly. Those are all recognize strong techniques and then out of right field comes this you know this thing that the NSA designed and wants added and then arranges to to make the default even though it's unproven unpro- and unprovably secure where the other ones are and the slowest of all of them so i mean if we didn't have enough reason already to be suspicious the fact that now we get this report from from a very reputable source, and people have since been interviewed, and they've said, "Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah." And RSA's conference is coming up uh, at the end of February. That the RSA, the you know annual twenty fourteen RSA oh, security that's conference. Be interesting. Well, several major speakers have dropped out. In protest, this they is said, so damaging. I know. True or not, and I think it probably is true. But true or not, this is so damaging to U.S. interests. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait till we get to, to damaging to U.S. interests. That's our next story. Oh. I will note, however, for anyone who's attending, don't leave the conference early because he'll probably be pretty funny. Stephen Colbert <laughs> has been confirmed as the closing keynote oh. of the conference. Oh. And so, Lord knows what he's going to do. It's all showbiz now. Yeah, I hope I hope RSA knows what he's going to do. Oh. Yikes! Um, sorry for a little noise here in the background. We have a garbage truck is going to empty some That's cans. Okay. okay, so next up, and this is what I want. I need to look at this in more closely than I have been able to, and I will do it for next week because I'm. It fascinates me. And we we can't do it justice along with everything else we have to talk about this week. So this is just the this is the tease, the setup essentially for next week's episode. And this is the so-called ANT A N T division of NSA, whose catalog of exploits 
for nearly every major software and hardware and network came to light from an article in Der Spiegel, which, uh, and I tweeted this, um, I guess I just tweeted the, the link to the catalog this morning. Um, all of, as we have been doing now, this is the fifth episode where I have been posting the same show notes that you and I are reading right now, Leo, um, as part of the the, the material on um, uh, over at GRC for the, for the episode. Um, and I tweeted the link to the show notes before we began so, re- so that people who are watching the chat room can also read along. I created a bit.ly shortcut for this catalog. So it's bit.ly slash, all lowercase, NSA hyphen A-N-T. NSA dash A-N-T. And uh, this is a, this is a, at, at, it's a WordPress blog. It's leaksource.wordpress.com is where that bit.ly expands to. And it truly makes your head spin to the, to the extent that Bruce Schneier, who is also not been happy by, as, as a consequence of the Snowden links and everything that has come from it, Bruce is now doing a blog post a day to take each of these on in turn. So to give our listeners a sense for it now, um, what this page describes or what it contains is a series of image slides of, of from this catalog, which lists dates when the exploits are becoming available, what versions they're in, how much they cost. Some of these are $30. If you just want a cable that allows you to spy on the video information going by, that's 30 bucks. If you want to your own GSM cell tower, that'll be $40,000. But you can order one if you're an NSA division that needs that, and they've got one. So these all go by two-word concatenated code names like Deity Bounce or Iron Chef or Feed Through, Gourmet Trough, Hallux Water, Jet Plow, Souffle Trough, Headwater, School Montana, Sierra Montana, Stucco Montana. <laughs> They're happy with these Montanas like Montana. there for a while. Yeah, the CTX-4000 is a model number of, I think that might be the 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 cell tower or or something so it's, it's a data collection as Low schneier auto. points out in this though these are all retail attacks they're in they're targeted attacks right yes and that, so that's so so uh, let me get through this really quickly so load auto nightstand nightwatch <laughs> photo anglo sparrow 2 tawdry yard jinsu howler howler monkey irate monk Junior Mint. I mean, some of these are going to go down in history. Yeah. Maestro Two, Somber Knave, Swap, Trinity, Wishful Toll, Surly Spawn, Dropout Jeep, and we're going to cover that specifically in a second because that's about iPhones and generate a lot of news over the holidays. Gopher Set, Monkey Calendar, Picasso, Tote Chaser, Tote Ghostly 2.0, Candy Graham, Crossbeam. <laughs> Cyclone HX9, EBSR, Entourage, Genesis Nebula, Typhon HX, Water Witch, Cottonmouth 1, 2, and 3, 
Firewalk and Rage Master. I mean, and this is, I mean, it sounds like a joke, but it appears absolutely authentic. And and we skimmed over that, but the but the reason I need to give it a podcast, our listeners will understand next week when I do, because there is a disturbing level of detail specified about each of these, what they do and how they work. And what I, what I want to get from studying this and what I want to share is sort of the the overall gestalt, you know, the mindset, the and uh, and stepping back a bit from it, what lessons does this teach us? But 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 what's worth mentioning, you Leo, you 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 started into, which is, I consider this very different from a deliberate attempt to weaken a random number generator that the entire industry and world uses and as you said this is targeted this is the nsa wants to penetrate a big iron juniper router and one of these projects allows a, di- a division to purchase that technology or sometimes it doesn't cost anything to acquire that from this division of the nsa that designs penetration technology and and again remember that this is th- these are ex- exploits for nearly every major hardware and software package um you know all the router technologies all i mean like the stuff we use all the time there there are there are fake cell towers um you know cell tower technologies in a package that that the NSA can set up when they want a bad guy's phone to connect to them rather than a real tower. The, there's no evidence of collusion on the part of the companies whose material has been, has been hacked. And more and more, I mean, it, with the exception of the, 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 uh, the government letters which, which go, go to companies which, refu- which prohibit them from mentioning that they've received one, but which specifically requests data in a certain case, it, it really, I mean, it, it is looking like these companies are really taking the brunt of the damage because even though no one now thinks that they were complicit in this, it, it's looking like, you know, the NSA has really strong hackers who are able to, to you know, dig right through secure firewalls. So, I mean, there's one of the one of the things we see often is BIOS level attack. And so that's so many of these as I was scrolling through generating that list, I, I was seeing essentially the same graphic ver- with small variations recurring. And it looks like and I'll have an absolute grip on this and and grasp of it next week that one of the things the NSA likes to do is get in and modify firmware. That seems to be one of their approaches is they they will launch a targeted attack at a person and that person will execute code which gets under the OS, down to the motherboard, makes some changes in the firmware, and then that enables a persistent 
the NSA gives NSA persistent access to that to that platform. But my the, the point I didn't finish making was that modifying a random number generator that everybody uses is is really wrong in, in every way. I mean, it's just that's upsetting. This is, you know, the fact that the, the idea that the NSA probably had this was something we all probably thought. I was never imagining the NSA was paying our RSA $10 million to give the entire world crappy random numbers in a way that would that they could leverage. But, you know, the idea that there was a division like ANT, the ANT division, that co- was cooking these really other really cool penetration technologies up, eh, you know, that's what we hoped. That's how we hoped our dollars were being spent because – they are targeted. They're not blanket, you know, monitoring everyone's telephone metadata in, 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 in the world. Um, it's, you know, we think this guy is bad. We need to get in and monitor him. So uh, next week, I'm going to uh, break all of those acronyms down, not individually because there's too many of them, but it's not really necessary. I want to really I want to be able to explain to our audience what the NSA wishes we didn't know, which is exactly what this means. You know, what, what, what does this mean? You know, essentially, you know, that they're able to do this. And, and, and what are they able to do based on the catalog that we is now in, in public view? But one of those st- stood out over the holidays um, and that was called Dropout Jeep. Um, and the question arose, does the NSA have total iPhone access? Um, and it looks like at one point they did. We don't know where they are today. That's the but, one thing to mention on all these slides is they're old. Yes. And Dropout Jeep yes. is 2008, the second iPhone. So, yes, it yeah. came. It came out uh, a year after the initial right. introduction of the iPhone. Um, and remember that another thing we we talked about is we know that there are baseband processor vulnerabilities. That's not the ARM seven that Apple is using. That's some some component which is actually probably a Snapdragon or, you know, some Qualcomm chip because Qualcomm was big into uh, into cellular technology. And so it's like in charge of all the cellular communications. The ARM7 processor is like making icons look pretty. It's all eyewash and gooey stuff, and it's, it's what all of the iOS apps run on, whereas... This Qualcomm or Snapdragon processor, that's the so-called baseband processor, and we talked about that a few episodes back, which no one really pays attention to, and the NSA is probably glad because that's very likely their way in is through this this aspect that we're just not looking at, where everyone's worrying about, oh, is my, you know, is my... 16 gigs encrypted when I type my four-digit passcode, and the NSA is going, uh-huh, good luck with that. Uh, we're, not, <laughs> not, we're not worried about that. So what we know is the NSA had worked on software that would allow it to remotely retrieve, and this is from the reporting over the holidays, um, 
virtually all the information on an iPhone, including text messages, photos, contacts, location, voicemail, and live calls. So the slide of these many for Dropout Jeep says, and here you get a sense for the jargonism of the NSA, it's a straight bazaar. That's another, two, you know, concatenated pair of words, S-T-R-A-I-T, straight bazaar. That's a noun, apparently, in this jargon, based software implant. And that's a word we see. The NSA uses the term implant for this kind of exploit. For the Apple iPhone, and I'm reading from the slide, operating system, and uses the chimney pool framework. Dropout Jeep is compliant with the free flow project. Isn't that nice? Therefore, it is supported in the turbulence architecture. <laughs> and so we have a block diagram, six blocks connected in a, in a circle so that they're, they're, they're chasing their tail. It starts with the NSA ROC operator, and that has an arrow pointing to the load the specified module, which then goes to send data request, which then links to iPhone accepts the request and then retrieves requested SIGINT data, and that points to encrypt and send exfil data. We know that that's exfiltration, meaning out, and then that returns, that final arrow returns us back to NSA ROC operator. So what that is saying is that once an iPhone has had this implanted in it, the dropout Jeep straight bazaar implanted in it, then in real time, the NSA ROC operator can query that iPhone over its communications protocol for whatever they want. And so below this diagram, it says Dropout Jeep is a software implant for the Apple iPhone that uses modular mission applications to provide specific SIGINT functionality. This functionality includes the ability to remotely push-slash-pull files from the device. SMS retrieval, contact list retrieval, voicemail, geolocation, hot mic, camera capture, cell tower location, etc. Command, control, and data exfiltration can occur over SMS messaging, okay, slowly, <laughs> or a GPRS data connection. All communications with the implant will be covert and encrypted. Don't we wish our own communications with an iPhone were? The initial release of Dropout Jeep will focus on installing the implant via close access methods. A remote installation capability will be pursued for a future release. So that's what we know. I mean, that gives you a, fee a sample, a feeling of one of those incredible number of of exploits that are available in the catalog. 
But because it's and, old, it's a, that, that's a, a, a snapshot of what they could do in 2008. I mean, presumably, they're yeah. keeping this stuff up to date and it can do more and work yeah. with more modern operating systems, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, if if we've learned anything over the years that we've been looking closely at security on the podcast, it's that very complex software... And unfortunately, all of our software today is very complex, has bugs. I mean, you know, it's it's not yet the second Tuesday of the month. That'll be, or is it? No, it's not. Um, yeah, that'll be next Tuesday. And, and Microsoft will roll out their bugs do month uh, for us at that point. And I mean, we, we never, there's never been a month without them. And, you know, and all the other software products are that are really complex have problems. So um, if you have enough money and you are sufficiently motivated, it really, it's hard to argue that there isn't a way in. And so basically this is, you know, the quiver of arrows that the NSA has created for themselves. And as you said, Leo, even though these are old, has doubtless been, you know, creating even more frantically recently as the ante has been upped on this and as, you know, they've been able to obtain more money and budgets and, and more technology. I mean, look at the center that they're building down there in, in Utah for this. So, yeah, wow. Um, Another little bit of news came up and that was, it, it sort of put me in mind of the question, when is a power light not a power light? And the answer is when it is separately controlled by firmware. <laughs> and I know where you're going with this one. Yeah. We, didn't we uh, have this discussion when we first talked about the idea of taking over webcams? Yes. That, and could you do that without tripping the red turning, light? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, of course, my advice, which has stood the test of time... Is put a sticker over it. I think it will continue to stand the test of time. Yeah, I mean, it's still not the case. So, from what I've seen, that laptops have a mechanical shutter, but they absolutely should. No, some do. They're starting to do that. Yeah. Oh, good, yeah. good, 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 good. They absolutely should. I, I was going to. I was going to mention the the laser that I own, the very high power laser, which has triple interlock, as law requires, um, and one of them is a delay when you. When, when you press the button to turn it on, there's a, a, a law, a legally enforced delay before it engages. It also requires a key separately from the button, a, a key switch that must be engaged. And law requires a, sh a physical shutter over the front. And this is why. I mean, obviously, if that shutter is closed, doesn't matter what happens electrically, you've blocked it. You know, you've blocked the photons. And what you want is a reliable photon blocker folks you do not want to trust unfortunately the technology so here's what came to light uh it turns out that it is possible sadly but hardly surprisingly to turn on webcams and the cameras on devices and again we presume that any device with a light 
maybe it can be controlled separately. Uh, Wired.co.uk had a had an interesting article. Actually, it was late last year, but I, I liked their description, so I want to share it. It was it's perfect, and and we'll discuss it a little bit more. It says one signal wire line, and this is the 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 actual design. Um, and I think this was an early MacBook. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was a MacBook. One signal wire line joins the USB interface chip to an input on the imaging sensor. Call, and that line is called standby, or that input is called standby. When the line is held high by the interface chip, the sensor is put into standby mode and thus stops producing data. When that line is held low, the sensor is taken out of standby mode and starts streaming data. The same line is also wired to the negative side of an LED. And actually, that's just what you'd want. So the positive side of the LED is connected probably through a resistor to 5 volts. The negative side is connected to this wire. So... When that line is high, it'll be at the same, the, the negative side of the LED is at the same voltage as the positive side. Thus, the light is off and the imaging chip is off because it's getting the high standby enabled signal. When that line is pulled low, then this, it's the, the imaging sensor is taken out of standby and now the LED has voltage across it, probably 5 volts because the bottom of it is being held at ground, held low, so the LED is on. And now, okay, that sounds great, right? So that whenever the sensor is taken out of standby, the LED is going to be turned on. So in principle, this should serve as a hardware interlock. Um, unfortunately, the whole system is controlled by a layer of software. When the device driver for the camera is loaded, the host PC uploads a small program into the USB controller. Um, it doesn't have any permanent firmware storage of its own. So the, it needs to be loaded every time the camera driver is loaded whenever the machine is turned on. This small program, in turn, configures the imaging chip. The imaging chip doesn't have too many configurable, pro configurable properties. But one thing it does have is whether or not it pays any attention at all <laughs> to the standby input. Why would it pay any attention? So you can disable in software the standby input. <laughs> then not bother bringing it down to put it into stand to take it out of standby and thus turning the light on leave it up as if it's in standby mode oh. thus suppressing the LED yet if you've changed the firmware associated with the driver you're streaming data anyway so they so the 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 wired.co.uk article continues saying Apple's own drivers set a configuration where standby is respected but other configurations are possible, such as one where the chip ignores standby entirely and always produces image data. 
with this knowledge in hand, the researchers who wrote uh, the, the researchers this article is, is citing wrote a new piece of software to upload to the webcam. This piece of software was much like the normal webcam software, but with two differences. First, it told the imaging sensor to ignore the standby input. Second, it ensured that the standby line was always held high to prevent the LED from ever illuminating. Result, a webcam with a hardwired LED indicator that nonetheless allowed <clears throat> image capture without the indicator LED ever illuminating. Have to tape everything over now. We really do. That, I mean, that is, that is, again, as I said, the, the original advice stands that you, you just, I mean, and why not? I mean, the, unless you're really using your camera all the time, just put a post-it note over it. Um, you know, Jenny got freaked out because when well, she got some junk, some malware on her laptop, and it it was that one that uh, it was the it was extortionware that said, oh, it was said it, it alleged to be from the FBI, and because this was your first offense, you could send them money, and then they would yeah. let you off the hook. She's uh, running. She's I'm, not running a Mac. No, she's still a she's a, a Windows person. I I have asked her about that because it would I I think a Mac would make a lot of sense for her too. Um, but this also so it showed some really distasteful images of child pornography, which it said what? it found on on oh yeah, oh, that's on, a was, new that's a new thing. That's disgusting. yes, it alleged that it that it had found on her computer, and of course it didn't. But it also showed a picture of her you know, sitting in front of her laptop. So this thing had used her camera in order to snap a picture of her to, you know, increase the credibility and, and horror factor of this. And so anyway, just putting a post, a note, you know, a little, a little piece, just a little one quarter by one quarter, just, you know, just snip off the sticky end of a post-it note and just stick it over the hole. And it's, you know, it peels off easily if you ever want to use the camera, but just leave it there. And every time you see it, you can just sort of smile to yourself and say, yep, nobody's looking at me. Have to do it. Wow. So three, two, seven, six, four, Leo. Three, two, seven, six, four. Yes. Now I know that you are thinking, ah, that's the zip code of Deltona and Austin, Florida. Oh, of course. <laughs> and you would be correct. But there's more, we're talking more to about. it than that. Yeah. It turns out it's, it can also be a port number oh. because it's in the range between zero and 65536, as actually are many zip codes. Yes. Um, 32764 is interesting to me because, being Mr. Binary, we all know 32768 is, is an even power of 2. It is uh, 2 to the 15th is 32768. Yeah. So this is 4 less than exactly midway in the port range. So it's like it's 4 below the exact center line of ports 0 through 65535. A... Well-known hacker named Eloy Vanderbecken posted a note on GitHub when he discovered that his Linksys WAG200G wireless DSL gateway 
was for no reason he knew listening and accepting TCP connections on that port. There's no purpose for it, no reason for it. Um, he then discovered that this was also true of Linksys, Netgear, Cisco, and other routers. Now, this is important, listeners. <laughs> um, when I first saw this, it looked like it was LAN only. It turns out it is not LAN only. There are at least five known routers who have this port exposed on the WAN interface of the router, meaning the public internet. The Cisco WAP 440, or sorry, 4410N-E with a bunch of firmware models, two point something, something, somethings. The Linksys WAG120N, the Netgear DG83, I'm sorry, 834B, and the Netgear DGN2000 with a bunch of firmware models. And finally, the Open WAG200. Um, there are many more routers that are exposing this mysterious port on the LAN side. I mean, like 30 or 40, a huge list. All you have to do to get more information is put in the zip code of Deltona in Austin, Florida into Google. Uh, you put in 32764, just Google 32764. The first link up is the link currently is the link to the GitHub page. Um, the second and third links are not surprisingly relative relating to real estate in Florida at that zip code. Um, so what, what you should do is simply use shields up immediately. Um, unless you know you don't have a problem, that's what shields up was designed for. And I have a, I have a custom port probe as one of the many tests there. So just go to grc.com, navigate through shields up. You'll come to a dialogue with a bunch of buttons, put three, two, seven, six, four, and then click probe my port. And actually, you could do it with a URL. I've got a, a direct probe port URL. I think you just go grc.com slash port probe oh, equals. That's nice. Three, three, two, seven, six, four. So you can just do it that way. Um, and try, why don't you, can you try that, Leo? I mean, yeah, let me, let me, yeah that's a good question. I've been a little more prepared here. grc.com slash port, port probe. P-R-O-B-E equals. One, two, three, three four, two, five, seven, six, four. Yes, it uh, uh, Yay, it does. There it is. And well, then, it gives and you then the you database, click... right? I mean, does it do the probe? And, the, and so then click probe this port. Ah. Button. Bloop. Bloop. Got it. That's the sound. That's the probe porting sound. Oh, you do a slash X slash and then port probe equals three, two, seven, <laughs> six, four. And it'll do it. All right. And I got a stealth on my network. And uh, hopefully that's what everyone gets. Stealth or at least closed is what you want. So grc.com slash x slash port probe equals 32764. And you can instantly check to make sure your router doesn't have that exposed publicly. That's the big concern. Now, so so here's the, here's the strange thing. Oh, and you're stealth too. Leo. I am Very indeed. Nice. Yeah. 
So we don't know what this is for. There's been a conjecture that this is that, that it relates to a manufacturer um, and I forgot to write it down here. Uh, I don't see it written. Um, th- there's some like uh, manufacturer like Simcom or something because what happens when you connect to this port, if you have that port with like Telnet or just your web browser e- even, you, you can, for example, put in into your web browser HTTP colon slash slash your gateway IP, which is often for of your private network, typically 192.168.0.1, or maybe it's .1.1. Anyway, colon, so that IP, colon, 32764. That tells your browser to connect to port 32764 of your own router. And it'll spit out capital S, lowercase c, capital M, capital M, or that backwards, which is interestingly byte swapped, it may put out capital M, capital M, lowercase c, uppercase s. Um, so we, we will be finding out soon because I'm sure many gifted, you know, the, the, like, you know, hacking router firmware is now become an art. And so there's lots of guys who put together hacking, you know, router hacking toolkits where they can download the firmware, they can unzip it, unpack it, analyze it, I'm sure soon we will find out what's going on. It, this may be nothing but a benign listener that was is an undocumented like service that this company put in. I have no idea why. Um, it's not in. It's not exposed to the WAN, so it's not like they could scan the internet and find all of their own routers. I mean, we. The point is, we don't know if you can do more with it than this yet. Um, we hope it's not some evil server, and we, of course, hope that the NSA had nothing to do with causing this company to allocate this high, high port uh, up in the boonies and have it listen. If it were really going to be stealth, it wouldn't spit out this string. So it really seems more like just sort of a wacky ID for the firmware that someone just happened to mention or or rather notice uh, I'm sure we'll see disassemblies of the firmware before long, and you know that we'll cover it here. And if any of, of our listeners finds uh, a note of that, uh, tweet it to me so that I don't, I'm sure I don't miss it, and uh, we'll talk about that. So in the meantime, um, if you do have that port open, exposed, and, and you know, shields up the port probe will say open if it is um, – what you can the, the the suggested workaround is to manually put in a firewall rule to block that port for the WAN side. Having it on that LAN side, you, I mean, I, that's kind of creepy too. We, we don't know what it does. We don't know what power it may have. If it, you know, it may accept commands and other things. And if you don't give it one, that's when it spits out the little ID string. We just don't know yet. But um, putting firewall rules in and then, of course, retesting will allow you to immediately shut that down so that whatever it is, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't want it. I would not call it a beneficial feature of the router uh, that it does this. But it is if you if you again, Google 32764, check out that GitHub posting because there is a growing list of known compromised routers and i mean it's a big list so it this whatever this company is that may have been the original uh 
progenitor of the firmware, they, they put a little cookie in there uh, that, you know, we're not all happy about now. But, you know, it's certainly raising some questions. Um, okay, we knew this was going to happen, and it's right on cue. Uh, we have three crypto locker follow-ons that have been identified. Initially, there was something that was actually calling itself Crypto Locker 2. So the question raised was, well, is this an improvement of Crypto Locker or is this actually something different? So it has now been analyzed. It's been a few weeks now. It's been analyzed in detail. Whereas Crypto Locker version 1 uses 2048-bit RSA public key encryption for its unbreakable work. Version 2 claims to use 4096, but oddly actually uses only 1024. Okay, so that's strange. Also, version 1 was written in C++, whereas version 2 was written in C Sharp. Very different languages, even though they both start with C. Um, Version 1 accepts payment in Bitcoin, Money, Pal, Ucash, and Cash U, whereas version 2, Bitcoin only. Version 1 doesn't encrypt images, videos, and music files, whereas version 2 does. So it's, that seems a little more personal attack. Version 1 uses AES, the Rindahl cipher, whereas version 2 uses triple DES. Um, we talked about the file header a couple of weeks ago, where the, after the file is encrypted, the pseudo-random key... Which was, which was obtained from the OS and then encrypted using the, the, the private key or public key. I don't know. I guess it would be the private key obtained from the remote server. That's, add, that's appended to the front of the file to create a new header. That's version one. Version two does something different. It creates, for every file it encrypts, it creates a, a, that same file name, dot k key file so it makes a whole bunch of more files containing the decryption keys required but those keys are encrypted so that you still need to pay somebody um and then also version two contains a bunch of weird fake like software activators and cracks for commercial software for example an activator for windows 7 and 8 an activator for Office 2013, one for TeamViewer, uh, something for Adobe's Photoshop, and, and even ESET's smart security software. And, and they, they uh, ESET performed this analysis. So that sort of says, okay, that, they're, that they intend to like salt the internet with fake, you know, Windows 7 activators, you know, cracks essentially for Windows and get people to download them and run them in order to get themselves infected with this, which was, was nowhere in version 1. So the conclusion is we have a completely independently authored but look-alike, because, I mean, that was what caused confusion is that the dialogue boxes are very the same, very much the same. So, so... The version 2 people, the CryptoLocker 2, completely implemented their own from scratch, yet emulated the look of the original CryptoLocker. So that's one of the first, that's one of the two of the three new ones. There's also 
been found in some discussion forums, discussion of something called in some places prison locker and elsewhere power locker. And it's it apparently is not out yet. The concern is that the author whose forum postings have been quoted is says he's intending to sell this as like a ready-to-go kit for $100, which is a little confusing because we've seen the numbers that crypto lockers, evil people produced using this. And I mean, it was in the, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's also a comment where the guy says, because I read all of this forum stuff to get some sense for who he was, that this is his first C code. Mm, And and, and there is a lot of like, okay, how do, in Windows, how do I make a window stay on top? And how do I prevent them from switching away from the window? So there's also mention of MASM elsewhere. So it sounds like he's a a lower level coder. Assembly language programmer. Yeah. Assembly language program. Yeah, we, I mean, this is and to do most of this, you you certainly, you know, I, I, well, we know I would use assembler, but I wouldn't ever write a program like this. But <laughs> but it sounds like that's what he's doing, and now he's like learning the GUI stuff. Oh, in fact, he said this is his first C program, and he's farmed out the production of the graphical user interface to someone else, and he's going to give him a piece of the action uh, that this thing generates. So so that's apparently really happening. Now, what's really weird is that, and this may never get off the ground, as far as we know, it hasn't yet, but if we're to take the research that's been done from his postings on face value, his ICQ handle, his long string has leaked, and he appears to be a 23-year-old Pisces named (laughs) Dave. David Klikinski. So, David. sign, David? (laughs) Yeah, you're Pisces. Good luck to you. Yeah, he was born on March 3rd. Um, So, if we've already figured out who you are, maybe you ought to abort this whole effort before you really get yourself uh, into deep trouble. And then, completely independently, number three was reported by the register.co.uk. And this is something called Locker just locker um th- it has been found already in the wild so it exists written in delphi uh which we remember is borland's sort of pascal outgrowth language um and i think that went did it go open source and public i think maybe turbo it did. pascal well delphi delphi was, um, oh i don't know you yeah, know that, who would know paul Therat. yeah he would yeah anyway so I think it's Del- uh, Cold Fusion now, is what I think. Oh, okay. He says it was, uh, uh, the, the register reported that it was written in Delphi using the TurboPower lockbox crypto library to encrypt files in uh, AES counter mode. Um, but apparently it wasn't done very well, and it is possible without payment for smart engineers to decrypt the files. So I imagine that'll get fixed now that the register has reported it. So unfortunately, this was inevitable. We, you know, we've, we've essentially, we've entered a new era. And I don't know why we're going to go back because this could have been done 
10 years ago. And it's been nice that we had 10 years without being without it being done. But with the money that CryptoLocker made, it was, and we already said this on the podcast months ago, you know, get ready, folks. This is coming because why wouldn't other malware authors decide, hey, you know, oh, look, here's a crypto library. Oh, look, here's crypto open source. I mean, crypto is done. It's it, it unbreakable crypto is freely available in every language now. And so it was just a matter of time before it would get leveraged in this fashion. And, you know, that time has arrived, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. Now, also in the news was a massive leak uh, and embarrassing for Snapchat of 4.6 million users, usernames and phone numbers of their of their mobile devices. Um, Snapchat has not performed admirably, unfortunately, in this. They were warned back last June or July, so about five months at least ago, about this, and they did nothing. They didn't respond to the the guys who found it. And I have to mention, uh, the guys who found it, unfortunately have decided to call themselves Gibson Security. Now, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I don't know. They're not naming themselves after you. I No, and I know in fact now for sure that it's after hacking the Gibson, oh. that phrase from the classic cult movie Hackers. But it is confusing. Angelina Jolie. Well, not only that, Leo, I was bombarded by the yeah. press yeah. on Monday, oh. all wanting to know more. So... <laughs> And so they I googled told, security and Gibson, and they found you. Yeah. Yes. 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 And I mean, so these guys. That's GibsonSec.org, G-I-B-S-O-N-S-E-C.org, and many Twitter followers of mine were similarly confused because they were saying, you know, Bravo posting the API. You know, and oh, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I, I, that wasn't me, folks. So no relationship whatsoever. They're in Australia. But I have to say, having now studied their postings, they seem like neat guys. They're, they are asking for don donations, calling themselves like starving students or something. And But I just I like their style. I like the way they write, the way they, they think. So, you know, they're not part of GRC in any way. But, you know, you know they, they, they seem like good folks. So, okay, Snapchat. What Snapchat has done, oh, <laughs> it is just, it is so, whoever did this should just be embarrassed because they, it, they were a lot, they were entirely relying on obfuscation, on no one looking closely. And we know how well that works. So what's, so these guys, the Gibson security folks in Australia completely reverse engineered the Snapchat API and it laid it all out. Now, and this is only after they waited five months after telling Snapchat, you know, this is really bad. This is really dumb. And there's all kinds of things, bad things about this. I mean, we, we, it's hard to even enumerate them. And Snapchat blew them off. Didn't respond Change nothing. And so then these guys 
just said, okay, here's the API. And a different party, not the Gibson security guys, a different party leveraged the information that the Gibson security folks published to produce this six, this 4.6 million user database. And it's trivial to do. I mean, with the information that's now publicly available, not a problem. So to give you a sense, our listeners are savvy enough and and anyone who's followed the podcast for long will be able to follow this because here's this gives you a sense for how poorly implemented their security is um there are some magic numbers that that are not cannot cannot be well hidden there's a secret a so-called secret that never changes lowercase i uppercase e K21FUWZ, blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a pseudo-random string uh, that looks like it's probably base64 converted. Um, but, and it's just there. And then there's a so-called pattern of zeros and ones. Zero, 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 one, 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 zero, one, 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 zero, one, one, zero, 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 and so forth. You know, it just sounds like gibberish. And all it is is just a random string of zeros and ones. So to authenticate... What they call authentication is you you first log in which to the Snapchat server, which returns a session token. So you just you say, "Hey, give me a token," and the then the server gives you a token. Now, any API request you made needs to be authenticated using that token, except that authentication means that you take the time of day and you hash it with the token and you convert that to hex, okay? Then that, that's, that's hash one. Then you take that secret that never changes and you hash that with a token and you convert that to hex. And now that's hash two. Then, then you use that pattern of ones and zeros to you, that directs you from whether you select the character from hash one or hash two in building a new string. And that's how you authenticate. I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> well, somebody said it, that just the whole notion of a find friends is inherently problematic, right? True. Now, and yes, and I wanted to, I wanted to mention that I haven't looked closely at whether... It's possible to make this secure because as exactly as you said and has been said, the, the idea that, I mean, the reason there, there is an API in there, presumably you allow Snapchat to have access to your phone book, your contacts. And so it runs through your contacts looking and, and essentially it through this API, it submits every phone number in your contacts list and and learns from the server whether that is a Snapchat user. And if so, returns their username or allows you to connect to them and find them. So, so the problem is there is no authentication, no, no effective authentication, no rate limiting at all, which, and this is what the attackers used in order to launch this attack is 
they essentially, they, you know, said, we'd like to log in, please. And the server, the Snapchat server said, yeah, here you go. And then they said, okay, now what about 000, 000, 000, 000? No. no, nobody by that phone no. number. Oh. How about 001? Yeah. How about 002? Right. How about 00? You can do, turns out you can do easily 5,000 a minute. And that's without running parallel threads or high bandwidth or anything. I mean, so basically it's a, it allowed Snapchat's entire, I mean, critical aspects of their <laughs> database is completely wide open. Yeah. By and, API, which is great. <laughs> yes. Thanks. And by a, by an API that's now fully documented. And I mean, for example, I mean, I, I mean, I, I just, for example, I mean, there's so many things that they could have done in order to make this stronger. Um, I mean, I mean, maybe it's, as you said, Leo, not possible to, to really make it stronger, but you could, you could certainly detect this kind of behavior and then disavow that token. And, and maybe, Remember that IP asked for that token, or I mean, you know, there, there are all kinds of things that, and they are going to rate limit going forward. I hope they do. No, they said yes. they would. They, they, oh, good. But what they're not doing is uh, changing the API or attempting to make it more secure. The the response to this is, well, you could turn the Find My Friends feature off, uh, and then you won't be revealed, and we're going to rate limit. So even if they do get some, they won't get. So, or maybe you could turn the feature that allows you to be found. Yeah, that's because probably you, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that would make. In other sense. words, take your number out of their database. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or just. But tell default, their by default, it will be in there. Um, yeah. Hmm. It's an interesting conundrum. Their position. Yeah, they didn't apologize, which is what most people got upset, and I, I don't think that that's that's neither here nor there. Um, well, I did like the comment that said they were too busy uh, turning down offers of acquisition from <laughs> Google and um, Facebook. I, I think that I what happens, this happens a lot with programmers. They go, the same thing happened with Path. Well, gosh, you know, it's obvious if you have a Find My Friends feature that information uh, will be revealed. Yes. So you should have known that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want us to do? So, I mean, I guess uh, allowing yourself to opt out. Allowing opt-outs, although not on by default. And then uh, the real problem is the teenagers. I should have asked my son. He was just here. The teenagers who use Snapchat have no idea. No. And and the point was raised also that what you what you obtain in return for giving it a – passing it a candidate phone number is a username. And that many people reuse the same username even if they're not using the same password. Right. Or, or maybe we're beyond that but not so much. Uh, but they use the same username all over the place. So this allows you to tie a phone number obtained through Snapchat to any other reuse of that username on the Internet. Right. If it's not a common username. And, of course, often it's not because you get told, oh, that username is already in use. So it's like, oh, okay, thanks for filtering that for us. Yeah. 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 So uh, I wanted to give our listeners a heads up that the name McAfee Security will be falling into disuse. Really? Over the course of the next year. You don't like being associated with uh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, big big John, big John finally took it too far and uh <laughs> yeah, uh so it's going to be relabeled Intel security. 
So when you when you begin seeing Intel security, you can think, uh-huh, McAfee. Although they're keeping the M, the Red Shield M. They're not going to change that because I guess they feel that's too recognizable. I'm wondering whether it's when whether Intel security is going to try to download when I update my Adobe Flash or, you know, my my Adobe Reader and so forth. It's like, whoa, here, wouldn't you like a free McAfee security scan? No, thank you. I wouldn't. McAfee. Um, <laughs> a name this, yeah, that will so, live in infamy. Goodbye, John. Yeah. In- Intel owns him. So I-, I was surprised that they kept the name for as long as they did, frankly. As long, yeah. Well, it, I mean, once upon a time, it was a major brand. And yeah. they were certainly, they bought it for more than $7 billion. What? Seven point six eight or something billion dollars what? they paid. Yeah, man. Yeah. Do you ever feel like we should have? Uh, we could have. <laughs> we just been more prescient. You could have written an antivirus. No, I believe me. Twenty three people was more than I could handle. Yeah, and you know you're about at your limit too. Liam, oh, so. you better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I've we're firing people left and right. We just we can't. Handle I've it. never been happier than when I just have Greg and Sue. It's yeah. like okay, that's yeah. about the right number. It just I, you, and anybody who's on the uh, as we are uh, courtside during all of this stuff, going back to the '90s, watching the internet explode. It feels like sometimes I think at some point, golly, maybe I should have done an app. <laughs> Although I have to say, you know, Jenny and I saw The Wolf of Wall Street last Ooh, night. Ooh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not sure I want to see it. Well, um, I came away not, I mean, it was it was fun and funny and well-written. It was long, you know, Scorsese and Leo, apparently, you know, Leonardo, uh, DiCaprio. Yeah, don't call be, him Leo. <laughs> you know, Leonardo have, have a great, relationship because i mean basically this was the dicaprio you know on screen movie yeah uh it was really a you know all about leo and his acting but i'm sorry leonardo um the point is that apparently some people are thinking wow that would have been kind of nice no. And I have to say, I was looking at it no. thinking oh what a mess no. and the guy was <laughs> just, a con man and i mean i don't know just, i just yeah I might yeah, go I don't see wanna, it. I don't know. It, it, I don't want to have a life like that. Uh, his daughter, the real real life guy's daughter, yes. wrote a uh, scathing yes. editorial saying, you know, don't downplay uh, the harm this fella did. Yeah. Including to his family and me. Yeah. yeah. So um, I just thought I would – we talked about the the wrong-headed – porn blocking decision that was made in the UK many months ago and boy genius report had a neat story uh that he said that that wrote as was predicted by just about everyone the united kingdom's initiative to get uk isps to add default pornography filters has been a complete and utter disaster so far <laughs> Not only, not yeah. I mean, okay. Oh, I'll say that for a second. Not only have the filters been blocking access to pornographic content, but they've also been blocking access to health information websites and charity websites, among other unintended targets. Again, of course, but there is some justice to come out of all of this. However, the Independent 
reports that the filters have also blocked access to the website of conservative MP Claire Perry, who has been of the, one of the leading crusaders for implementing porn filters in the UK. It seems well, that's that ironic. Perry's, uh-huh, <laughs> seems that Perry's website contained information on her assorted anti-pornography campaigns, which was apparently enough to get her site caught in the porn filter wow. dragnet. Wow. And, you know, we, it's like, we know this can't work. It, 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 people keep trying it and it keeps failing. You know, we, we, computers have enough trouble figuring out whether we, whether someone is human or not. I mean, that seems to be, you know, the capture problem is right. a, is an insurmountable problem, you know, and even the Supreme Court famously in 1964 Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart failed to define what pornography was, saying famously, well, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. And unfortunately, that's not a rule you can put into the firewall. Right. So (laughs) if you see porn, let us know. (laughs) Yeah. If if some comes by, well, we'll apologize and turn it off. Yeah. I think uh, my sense is this is all politics. What a surprise. Yeah. 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 Um, I just saw a nice note there. There's a battle waging and I don't know how it's going to turn out. Maybe it'll be all of the above between Mozilla's Assem.js, which actually is the, f- the solution I favor, even favoring it over native code, which is Google's approach. Google has this thing called native client. Where, which is an open source technology to allow web applications to be built to seamlessly execute native compiled code inside the browser. It's like, uh, okay, you know, if you contain it well enough, if you kind of vert, if you VM it so that it can't misbehave, then that's a way to get essentially your browser to, you know, like a website. The point was you'd go to a website and it would download an app. I mean, a full on native app compiled app into your browser and run it and so so this is you know google's future mozilla did the other thing which i really think is so cool we've discussed it before assem.js that's they 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 defined a strict subset of java which is in java sorry of javascript i will be careful javascript um which is otherwise very hostile to high-speed execution. The nature of JavaScript is that it's a dynamic language, which means, for example, you don't have to declare when you stopped using memory. You just define arrays, and the, it's up to the language itself, the guts, to figure out, oh, look, he's not, he's not referencing that array anywhere, so you decrement the reference count, and when it goes to zero, then the garbage collector comes along and collects the garbage. So, you know, that's... Now that's difficult to speed up. What 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 SM.js does is define a strict subset of JavaScript which doesn't have any of those tricks in it, which means it can be compiled to run very fast. And what they did over the holidays was took it from running 2x slower 
than native code, which, you know, already is very fast. They've got the Unreal Engine running in it and running Unreal 3 in their browser. So, I mean, it is screaming. So they took it from going two times slower to only one and a half times slower So than native code. And, of course, when it gets down to one, then it's the same speed as native code, yet cross-platform, cross, you know, cross-chip, essentially. This, because this is, this is a subset of JavaScript, if you don't have it running on Mozilla, it'll still run because it's just JavaScript. If you do have it running under Firefox, it goes like a bat out of hell. So... Uh, anyway, I just I like that approach. Maybe we'll end up with both of them. But, you know, I, I just think I, I, I commend Mozilla for what they're doing. I, I just really like that approach. Yeah. I have a bunch of miscellaneous things I want to talk about, but I did want to share an, a, a one day after Christmas. Really nice note from a listener of ours named Jonathan Bailey, who's in New Orleans. Uh, he said uh, and the subject was not surprisingly, spin ride testimonial, but a neat story. It's not too long. He said, I was at a friend's house on Christmas Day when she told us the hard drive on her laptop wasn't working. It wouldn't boot, and even booting it off of a live CD didn't give access to the data on it. And I'm sort of impressed. Either this, this, this person whose house he was at knew about live CD or... Maybe he tried that first, but it doesn't sound like it. It sounded like they already tried that or someone did, but that wouldn't work. So he said, while the laptop was old and she didn't care that much about it, it did have a lot of important stuff. Most notable, the photos of her son's wedding a few years ago, and there were no known complete backups. I took the laptop home and, using my receipt, downloaded a fresh copy of Spinrite. Immediately on the first sector, it seemed to freeze, and it spent, that is, spin right seemed to freeze, and it spent so long at 0% that I considered aborting it. However, being a listener of security now, I knew to be patient and put my faith in the spin right gods. So I went to bed with it running. I awoke to the green spin right complete screen. I took out the CD, rebooted, and huzzah! The laptop booted right into Windows. It was a true day-after Christmas miracle. Thank you so much for your great product. After four years of ownership, I finally got to share my Spinrite Save Me story. And, Jonathan, thanks for sharing that. That I appreciate. Yay. So, miscellaneous loose ends. Just We're right up here at 3 o'clock, so I think it's just about right. I just had to mention... BlackBerry has sued the typo keyboard, the typo keyboard people, over their BlackBerry-like keyboard. We mentioned it on the. Oh on yeah, the, the show. Uh, what's his name's keyboard? It's, yes, you were all uh, excited about it. I am. In fact, even more so because NBC News this morning had it on. I, I a buddy of mine texted me because we both com- been complaining about typos on our on our touchscreen iPhones. And apparently NBC News said that it was an excellent keyboard, but they could not say any more about it due to the BlackBerry lawsuit, which is the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever heard. But, you know, maybe they don't know any better. I mean, there's no injunction that has been filed. I don't watch mainstream coverage of technology anymore. It's just painful. But the good news is somebody who used it 
apparently loves it, and I can't wait. Um, it's it was mailed on the thirty first, I think. Oh, you actually so are getting one. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, Leo. So you get, you ordered you, it before the uh, lawsuit, so you can you'll at least get to keep it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and it I'm, did. We did I've, note that it looked very much like the domed keycaps of a BlackBerry. Well, device. and BlackBerry has a raft of patents on the keyboard. But it doesn't seem like, like they a, should be able to prevent well, physical keyboards attached to a I phone. Agree. I agree. And I imagine now there are design patents. And this looks like an, a true ripoff. I mean, I have to say that now that mine's already in the mail. It looks like a true ripoff. Uh, and I couldn't be more happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the closer it is to the BlackBerry keyboard, the happier you are. The better I'm going to like yeah. it. Exactly. Uh, certainly they could change that back into something that isn't like, isn't really a clone of the BlackBerry. Um, and one wonders about you know patenting a design it's like not so can you know you know who knows that's a whole issue i don't want to get into it but um i'm excited i may have a report i imagine by this time next week i will have been using it for a few days so i mean it just oh there there it is yeah, yeah this is uh usa today it does oh, look, look like a black oh, keyboard doesn't God. it oh yes yeah, this is uh oh <laughs> wow <laughs> Now I wish I had ordered one. It's called the Typo Keyboard. Uh, I wonder if Ryan Seacrest was there to show it off. Um, you can still order it, Leo. Um, they're accepting orders, and I think they're shipping and just, I mean, there's no injunction. So, you know, if, as long as they get them out the door, there's typokeyboard.com, and it looks great. The other thing I'll remind you of is that oftentimes that when the keyboard comes out on the screen, you lose half your screen real estate. And so while you, you lose any... I agree. I don't like that part. But, no. Uh, but he does say, this is uh, Jefferson Graham running for USA Today, that if you've gotten used to typing on the screen of the Apple, it's kind of and difficult to. to go back. Yeah, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> I will be giving up my fingerprint, and I'm, you know, so, so I, you lose that because there is a home button in the lower right. Oh, right. But, you yeah. but, the, but you, the, the thumbprint ability disappears, but oh, I'll have a report next week. Mm. Good. Yeah, baby. Good. Look forward to um, it. Also, uh, for all people who listen to this in time, the new CBS show, Intelligence, premieres tonight tonight is the night january 7th on cbs at 9 p.m don't know anything about it i'm not recommending it i'm just letting people know who think they may like it this is the guy that gets a chip implanted in his brain that ties him into the global information networks and we'll go from there mm -hmm. so who knows and mm -hmm. if and if you missed it on tuesday and you can't find it on any of your get them back deals it re-airs this friday so they are, they are airing it twice for those, you know, after Buzz is created, hopefully tonight, if it's any good, then people will go, oh, I shoot, I missed it. But you can watch it on Friday. Um, also, I mentioned a sci-fi reading guide. I prepared this initially for, uh, actually for Bob up in Canada, whom you have met. Um, and I, because I sent him one of my old Kindles um, that I, where I had all of my books that Bob, that, that I have read since, you know, Bob departed for parts north. And I built a beautiful PDF where I laid everything out and I realized, oh, this is the you know, Steve's sci-fi reading guide that everybody has been wanting for so long. So I had, there's a bit.ly link to it, bit.ly slash S-G-S-C-I-F-I. 
all lowercase, because bit.ly is case sensitive, bit.ly slash S-G-S-C-I-F-I. <clears throat> Excuse me, that link expands to a PDF. And I got a lot of Twitter followers, because I, I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago, saying that they, had, they were chuckling because, you know, they were getting a PDF from me as if that was unsafe. And it's like, okay, folks, wait a minute. You know, PDFs from me are not malicious. P- PDFs <laughs> themselves are not malicious. It's, it's not like PDF is a problem. It's that like, like an executable. You download GRC's XC's night and day because you know they're not malicious. But you're very careful when you download some random foreign executable on a download site because it might very well be malicious. Similarly, PDFs can be dangerous, but, you know, sure, I love PDFs. They're fabulous. You know, Leo, you're looking at one that I just made for you. So I do accept them actually, from you, but I exp- the, I think part of the issue is I always say don't accept attachments, even from people you know, because it could be posing yes. as you. But if you yes, expect a PDF from Steve and it, it doesn't have the appearance of an automatically generated uh, email, I think it's probably all right. Right. Um, as I mentioned to you when we were up, uh, uh, well, earlier... Was it this week? No, I don't know what week it is. I don't know where uh, we are or what we're doing. Last week. It was a week ago. Uh, last was that Tuesday. I have started to reread the Honor Harrington series. Um, I finished book two. So I've just finished rereading. Just they're fresh now. Books one and two. So I wanted to mention to everybody, something is happening. We're going to get a movie or a series of movies or maybe a TV series. I'm now seeing different reports it might have evolved into a tv series or that might be older news than the movies we're going to be getting movies you absolutely must if you if you ever plan on watching the movie unless you really really hate reading you have to read these first this i mean i reread i rewrote re reread rewrote i reread slow down steve reread ender's game the book before the movie came out because I knew the book was going to be so much better. And, oh, my God, it was fabulously better than the movie, which really was not that good. That goes squared for Honor Harrington. There is – these books are so rich, there's no way – now we got a really loud thing going on. Uh, the, these books are so rich, there's no way the movie could do them justice. And so the reason I'm mentioning this is that Amazon now has them both free – iBooks from Apple has books one and two both free, and the Bayon B A E N uh, website has both books one and two free. So no excuse for not grabbing them. And in fact, I may be switching over to iBooks, Leo, because I just discovered what? to my yes, I discovered to my infinite joy that the version, the new version of iBooks three O that came out, you know, late last year allows continuous scrolling for the first time. No more this ridiculous page turning. You can just, you just, you put your thumb there and smoothly scroll up. And especially for reading iBooks on a screen as, as small as the phone, that just seems so much better than, than like, you know, that page turn, pretend to be a book baloney. You can't, you'll never be able to do this. Well, not never, never is a long time on e-ink right now. The technology of e-ink is hostile to a page scroll. But um, actually, I got a second mini because I want to experiment with switching over to to reading on the mini because of this update 
to iBooks that would just allow me to scroll like like a like continuously. Oh, why do you want that? Wait. What want what? Continuous scroll. I mean, because I okay. Just, so I'm imagining you. You're on your stairmaster treadmill, whatever it is. And oh st- no, no. I mean that. I, I only do a little bit of reading there. Oh. So that that would still be page at a time. You don't care about it there. No. It's like in real life when you're reading. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I've, I love the idea of being able to scroll smoothly, scroll through the book. I just think that's going to be the right way. Okay, um, I'll be curious because it feels like I would lose my place easily doing that. I know what you mean when you're not on a discrete page. Yeah, I know what you mean. And of course, a- a- Apple and iCloud are, are really good about uh, doing cross cross device synchronization. Is now somebody too. disassembling like- uh, some hardware in your uh, office? <laughs> No. What's that it's, sound? It, 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 it's, it's, the, it's outside? It's the sounds like yeah, it's, it's right next to you. Nor, unfortunately, this is maybe a side effect of us oh, dropping back. Oh, one, one in the afternoon. afternoon. Yes, exactly, because this goes on every afternoon around this time. Every so, Well, hey, they, at least they empty the trash daily. They're uniform, <laughs> yes. Um, and I posted and got some uh, interesting feedback about my assembly language. We know that I program in assembler. I'm now writing Squirrel. In assembler, and I thought it would be interesting for people to see what that looks like. And so uh, there is an image for which I have a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash, and for some reason I did mixed case. I'm sorry about that. I don't know why. Capital S, lowercase qrl, capital S, lowercase ign. So it's squirrel sign with the two S's capitalized. SQRL, SIGN. If anyone's curious, that will give you, uh, well, your browser will show you uh, what my assembly language actually does look like for the code that I'm writing for Squirrel. Um, and speaking of that, uh, all the crypto libraries are up and running uh, and linked into my assembly library. Um, we're currently settling on an export and storage, an encrypted export and store and host storage format, the details of that, um, and also nailing on the details of the way we use the the scrypt uh, password based key derivation function, but we're down to the you know the 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 ending details, and I'm writing code, so uh, I'm excited. I hope to to have something here before long. Uh, get that out to the world, and then I'm right back to working on Spinrite six one. You are awesome. Yep. Yep. All right, Steve. We're going to move on to the rest of the uh, lineup on the uh, our new day Tuesdays. Yes, and so ne- we'll, we'll um, next week. I'm going to have an, day. An, <laughs> an in-depth analysis of what exactly it is the NSA has up their sleeves. I'm going to study every one of those slides and pull them together wow. into a, into a comprehensive, you know, take on on what the NSA Ant Project is and fundamentally what they can do. Can look forward to that. The in-depth look at Ant next week on the show. Steve Gibson is at grc.com. That's where his website is. That's where you'll find Spinrite, the world's best hard drive maintenance and recovery utility. All the freebies Steve gives to the world, like Shields Up. Uh, lots of software information about passwords, information about uh, health and dieting. Uh, <laughs> it's not his business. It. <laughs> it's just a sideline. You could tweet him at at gsg at at Jess, uh, at at SGGRC. 
Uh, that's his Twitter handle, SGGRC. Uh, if you have a question, I don't. I guess we're not doing feedback next week, but if you do have a question for a future feedback episode, uh, that would be grc.com slash feedback. Do not email him. Yeah, we did a bunch of Q&As in a row, and we caught up a little bit, so we'll be we'll go back to Q&A in two weeks, but I really want to really do you know, an in-depth look at, this, uh, at the NSA ant. Good. Thank okay, you, Steve. Friend. Remember, Tuesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 2100 UTC. That's the new time for security now. We'll see you back here next week live. If you can't watch live on-demand audio and video available at our site, twit.tv slash s. N for security now. Steve has 16 kilobit versions plus Elaine Ferris. And Elaine was in the chat room saying, thank God you're back. I was getting bored. Elaine Ferris's transcripts uh, so you can read along as you listen are at his website, grc.com. Have yes, a great And for yes. those of you who have any additional time in your week, uh, track down those New Year's Eve hours that Leo's group oh, are awesome. posting. There's a lot of fun there. Awesome. I mean, it was it was a blast. Thank you, Steve. We'll see you next time. On security now. Thanks, Leo. Security.